Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Thomas Brock, Mailman Steve, Carla Graves, Candy Bates, and all of our Patreon supporters, and you, yes, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, everyone, to The Adventure Jogger. On this episode, you are going to meet Kelly Way, who's had some incredible success early on in her ultra career, nailing a lot of top 10 finishes in 50 milers, and uh, came off a, a impressive 11th place finish at uh, JFK recently. And we have a great conversation about what brought her into the world of trail and ultra running, and it starts off uh, kind of tragic. It was a tragedy that brought her into the world of running, and she's really kind of blossomed into this sport, and she really has a strong desire to bring women who look like her, women of color, out onto the trails. So we talk a little bit about her story, the tragedy that brought her into trail and ultra running, and maybe what are some of those barriers? Like, why... Does the trail and ultra community not look like Kelly does? And maybe she's the one that can bring more people to the sport. A fun conversation. You're going to think a little bit, be inspired a little bit, and uh, hopefully have some fun on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Kelly, are you all the way in beautiful New York City right now? No, so I'm actually currently based in Connecticut. Oh, belly okay. of the beast coast, belly gotcha. of the beast coast. Okay, because I saw on your Facebook page, I always like to stalk people on their Facebook page or or Instagram before I have them on, and it said you lived in New York, but you now are now you're in Connecticut. I spent all of my twenties in the city, so uh, New York City was home for a good 10, 11 years of my life. Because you're born in Hong Kong, right? Born and raised. That's right. So. Did you get out when, and I only know this because I watched The Crown, Kelly, so don't think I'm some expert in, in Hong Kong relations. Did your family leave when when Britain transferred, I don't think it's possession, but but transferred the uh, Hong Kong itself back to China? Yeah, so we were, we were a former British colony. Mm-hmm. Um, the handover happened in 1997. I was seven then but i spent my entire uh adolescence my entire childhood to adolescence up until college 
uh, in Hong Kong, okay. born and raised, and very proud to be born and raised. And then, then you decide, does your whole family decide to go over to the States and live in New York? Uh, no, um, my father's family, um, most, most of my family were educated in the U.S., so mm-hmm. I grew up multilingual, multicultural, um, came to the city for college and grad school, um, and so, you know, the U.S. has always kind of been a second home base. Okay, gotcha. Hong Kong will always be home. Uh-huh. home. Yeah. Um, I'm always impressed with people that are multilingual because you know, I tried Spanish for a couple years in high school. Yeah. And, and Kelly, I won't bore you with my grades, but uh, they weren't very good. <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to be able to speak more than one language, but I can barely grasp this one that I'm speaking right now. Um, so I'm always very impressed with that. Let's talk about your running story. So we know you're here, you know, born and raised Hong Kong. You come to the United States. Now you're in Connecticut. Were you always a runner? Um, I was always an athlete growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, my first sport was actually swimming. Uh, so my folks threw me into the pool when I was not even two and a half so it was maybe two when i started swimming and i was swimming without floaties on by three and a half so swimming was actually my first sport um chlorine's in my blood at this point Um, (laughs) two and a half that's not even a choice at that point that is mom and dad saying like very young yeah kelly's gonna be a swimmer let's go ahead and sign her up for lessons throw her in that pool yeah um So I grew up kind of playing sports just out of recreation and for fun, never really competitively. Yeah. Uh, Did some cross country, some running in middle school to high school. But again, I never took it seriously. And it really wasn't until um, the pandemic Mm -hmm. that I decided to take up, well, ultra running, uh, mutt running, right? Mountain ultra trail running. and racing like in earnest um but you know there's a backstory there and and we can rewind if, if yeah if let's can. let's go ahead here because you know high school cross country doing that you're running your 5k or or whatever that is what was it during before the pandemic were you just like casually running before the world shut down or did you completely give it up once you got out of high school um I played basically every sport growing up again. I just, you know, really natural athlete. I have my dad to thank for that. He was the consummate athlete and I get my athleticism. All that's from him. Um, I would have to say my introduction to long distance running. um, And I actually, I I explained a little bit of my backstory um, on culture and thank you art for connecting us. I was on there a little earlier this year after racing Vermont 50. Mm-hmm. Um, my introduction to long distance running was actually the Philly Marathon in 2015. Uh, so I, I ran that the impetus for me signing up was um, actually a very personal one. I lost uh, I lost one of my closest friends in, in college um, to suicide. And Andrew was his name. And Andrew ran the Philly Marathon in 2011. Um, And when he passed in 2014, I decided 
the uh, next year to race the Philly Marathon in memory of him, to you know commemorate and to honor him. And so that was really my 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 impetus for signing up for something as absurd as you know running a marathon because I didn't have the uh, I, I was pretty focused on my studies at school. I, I went to Columbia in the city, and you know it was very very hyperly even at times, you know, toxically so competitive academic environment. And, you know, despite being a natural athlete my entire life, I really lived a fairly sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. Um, And I wasn't running. I really wasn't exercising. Uh, You know, I had that baseline, if you will, but it wasn't until this happened that I decided, okay, I'm going to, you know, try and do this. And, And I raced Philly the next year in 2015. Let's talk about your friend Andrew for a minute. <laughs> Running was obviously an important part of his life. Were you aware of his of his addiction to running at that point? I mean, because marathon running is not something that you do casually. Like you're just like, ah, I'm going to sign up for a marathon, and you know, that's something you have to dedicate a lot of time to. Was it a big part of Andrew's life? Uh, yes and no. So that was what was in part so endearing about Andrew. He decided to you know, endeavor to race a marathon on a whim, that it was something he wanted to check off his bucket list. Um, and that's exactly what he did. He, he kind of did the minimal amount of training and still ended up running a fairly fast time. Uh, I think he ran right around four hours um, back in 2011. And he decided, uh, I, I think from my experience with distance running, you know, you, you fall into one of two categories. You, you run your first marathon, you either love it or you hate it. There There is no gray area. So people will say, okay, this is my first and final one. I'm done. Or they catch the bug, they fall in love with it, and, you know, they carry on the rest of their lives, you know, running marathons and ultra marathons. So uh, in Andrew's case, it was the one and done. And in my case, it was the, the latter category. I fell in love with it and it wasn't until you know the pandemic when like you said that the world shut down and I didn't really have much else to do but to really fixate and focus my energy on something that I took up training in earnest and I discovered that I was not half bad at this <laughs> stuff you know that I had that baseline endurance um and I think more than anything else that that mental capacity and and really certifiably so some level of insanity to do these things right we're, we're, we all have to be a little nuts to to run and race ultra marathons um and i found out well you know i had a, a good cocktail of all those all those assets and i'm just kind of seeing where it takes me at this point all right so i just want to say this before we get too far into it andrew would have fit right in with the trail and ultra community like the decisions that he was making with that marathon he would have found a very wonderful home in the world have. of of mutt running. I'm 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 forever indebted to Andrew. Um, you know, I I still, you know, I I still have a hard time sometimes. I I blame myself, and you know, this is this is you know a, a discussion that is you know a, a more difficult um, to be really open and and transparent about. But I think Andrew, I, I'd like to think that Andrew would be. Um, Happy that I've kind of, you know, found my my place in 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 trail running, ultra running. Uh, but he'll also, I think, in part, be laughing at me like Kelly, you're an idiot. Why why are you running the? Why are you voluntarily running these absurdly long? What for? You know what what's the purpose here? You know, um, but I'm forever indebted to him because 
long distance running has changed my life. So, um, you know, if Andrew's listening to this, uh, I miss you. I love you, buddy. And I also have you to thank and blame for you know, <laughs> the stuff that I'm doing now. You know, sometimes I still ask, why am I doing this? You know, and I think I'm, I'm sure this is something you can relate to, Ryan, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun, but it's also fun in a um, really distinct way. You have to, um, the, the kind of, I think the, the mental and, and, and physical suffering that you invite upon yourself when you race these, these, ultra marathons is um it's i feel like maybe it's an acquired taste um and so um it's it's yeah yeah there's nothing like it there's really really nothing no there isn't and i think if the community wasn't as fantastic as it is ultra running wouldn't be what it is i think most people would be one and done ultra running if the community wasn't so fantastic but i think the community is what keeps bringing people back and back for more and more races and then you get more friends and just it's, it's i think the community is responsible for ultra running's growth um when we'll back a little bit before i, I want to get your marathon story in here and then we'll get into the ultra world so you get that devastating news you know if you your your friend is gone you knew this meant something to him. How long was it? Was it right after he had passed that you had decided to do this marathon? Or was it something that after a bit of, of grieving, you're like, you know what? This is what he would want me to do this. How did you go from finding out about Andrew's passing to, okay, I'm doing this marathon? I think... Um so Andrew was not the first, um, you know, significant loss I, I, I have experienced. I lost my mom um, many years ago when I yeah. was still very young to um, cancer. So I was 18 when my mom passed. Um, oh so God. this is now good 13 years ago. Um, so that was the first really, truly devastating, you know, loss that I had to contend with. Um, and, and go through and in and, and to this day, really, I mean, this is not the kind of loss you ever overcome. You just learn to live with it over time. Yeah. Um, and so when I found um, when when Andrew passed, I needed something to, I think, take my mind off the um the blame and the guilt some of it i i felt you know is there something i could have done for my friend you know i i i'm gonna be really honest i mean yeah. i blamed myself in part because i was so close to him uh you know i saw some some signs but i just it was very difficult and i needed something to um, focus my energy on something that would bring about good, you know, something that would be positive. Um, and when we were, you know, a group of close friends, when we were going through the process um, of, you know, writing up his obituary and drawing up plans, um, we were all just sharing stories. And one of the stories that came up that was uh, recollected was the time he decided to just wing the Philly Marathon kind of on a whim so he can say all right i can check running a marathon off my bucket list yeah and he did that um and so i said you know what i think this is the perfect thing for me to do to try and you know uh 
transfer some of that anger and guilt I felt into, you know, something more positive and health driven um, is because at that point in college, I'll be honest, I, I, you know, I drank like every other college student, but, you know, there was some reliance on every now and then, you know, the hard liquor. And, and that was, you know, I vodka was my friend in college, you know, yeah. um, I did well in school. I, I want to be, be make that clear. It's just at some point there was a little bit of a, you know, I, I needed um, I needed something to help me um, deal with the uh, compounded grief, right, from losing my mom to now losing her, you know, one of my closest friends to suicide. It was very hard. Um, and so I decided, okay, you know what? I decided November of 20, yeah, November of 2014. Uh, so the fall of the year he passed, this was when registration uh, reopened because the Philly Marathon's race, it's raced every year um, the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And so registration opened up and I decided, okay, I'm just going to sign up. And I did. And um, I kind of haphazardly went through the training process and winged it myself the following year. It was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable. It's so, um, it's so true because but, the training process, Kelly, you must have you'd be downloaded something or bought a book and you look at the training necessary to go from right. couch to marathon is right. a monumental it is truly monumental. I looked at it, I'm like, I don't have the time for this. Well, how am I, when am I going to have time to do this? You know, school is a handful as it is. Um, but I made sure to carve out little bits of time. You know, I would run maybe two, three times a week. I, the one thing I did do was that long run. You know, mm -hmm. I did in my very rudimentary research, you know, the long run is one essential training aspect that you really should try and accomplish if you want to run your first marathon successfully without breaking down and hitting that wall right at mile 20. Um, now my wall I found out is usually at around mile 40 something. So I'm really glad that wall has moved down uh, or up rather in mileage. Um, but back then I really didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just, it was the spirit of, um, I think the spirit of challenging myself, the spirit of needing to move on, the spirit of wanting to honor Andrew, all all that encompassing. Um, and that's 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 how I got myself to the start line. And that's how I also crossed the finish line. So um, and for a split second after crossing the finish line, I vowed to never do it again because it, was just, it just I just felt I felt stupid why would you do this it's 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 a painful idiotic undertaking but it's also an extremely remarkable unique um i think feat of athleticism you know i i i i like to advocate for people who are front packers middle of the packers and back of the bank even if you're dead fucking last you know I, I'm of the view that if you've raced a marathon or an ultra marathon, my hat's off to you because that in and of itself is such an incredible achievement and you should be so proud. No matter your time, no matter your reason for doing it, give yourself a pat on the back because it's awesome. It's inspirational to be able to say, hey, I raced a marathon or hey, I raced more than a marathon is just a remarkable thing, right? Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It really is. And you think about it, it is. Kelly that your legs will get you so far, right? Your legs and your lungs will get you to mile 16, mile 20. It's your heart. It's that determination. It's that grit that gets you through where where it stops getting fun. When you're like, oh God, that's what gets you to the finish line. Was there a moment of sweetness at that finish line of, of, of relief of release, of what was it like crossing that finish line doing this marathon that you you really shouldn't have done? I mean, you probably could have done a 10K and a half marathon and warmed yourself into that, but just smack dab right in there on three runs a week. What was that finish line like having done what you did for the reasons that you did? Um, I cried. I, I, uh, I think I was overwhelmed with... Uh, still some actually pretty significant degree of guilt, but at the same time, I was overwhelmed by having just, you know, run 26.2 miles um, on virtually, you know, very little um, infrequent, you know, totally unstructured training, uh, right? Uh, But my my father and my brother came out to cheer me. Um, There's this part, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Ryan, but... um, a large portion of the Philly marathons run on this Thorway called Kelly drive. And my father went to school in Philly. So he was familiar. He was able to, you know, navigate, circumnavigate the road closures and whatever. And they were able to meet me, I think like four five, six times along the course. Mm. Uh, and three of those times were along Kelly drive. And the last time, um, they were able to meet up with me on Kelly drive. I was really starting to slow down. I think that was, actually right around the like 20 the infamous 20th mile hitting the wall mark right Right. of course it was my first marathon classic i i started really slowing down i i slowed down to a shuffle i was walking you know walking running walking running and my, my dad and my brother said come on kelly you're on kelly drive you can do this i'm like i get it i appreciate you know what you're trying to say but I'm really suffering here. I'm, I'm questioning, like, why am I doing this? And they said, come on, Kelly, just get to the finish line. Do it for Andrew. And, you know, that's that's what got me to the finish. I think I ran it in 5.04, which is slow for, you know, the the running that I'm doing now. And I, I, I caution, I use that word cautiously because at that time, given my baseline, um, you know, if, if had I trained properly for it, I, I could have run faster, but I think the time at that point doesn't matter. It's just for a point of reference, right? Um, I did it. It was, didn't really know what I was doing, but I did it for a very important personal cause. Um, and it has now that, that personal cause has now grown into, I think a passion 
and I've discovered that I I can probably, if I really want to, I can take this very far, you know, um, and that's something I'm excited to talk to you about, actually. Yeah, you gotta be pretty proud of yourself, and and let let's just say this, and I know Kelly was 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 reluctant to use the word slow, because there are some people that will you know train their butts off and that five hour marathon or five hours and change is a momentous celebration and a momentous occasion as it should be it should be celebrated we all have our own speed you know and we all have what's fast to us and we all have we can't compare each other the problems we get into is when we compare our fast to someone else's fast or our slow because comparison is the is the thief of joy it really is um so yeah so celebrate that but still you got to be impressed with the fact that you winged it kelly you winged it with like yeah maybe i'll go for a two mile run today and then i'll do 20 miles on saturday and just kind of hodgepodge this together to finish that's an incredible achievement i i feel like winging it it's 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 a little bit of a theme in my life ryan i've winged (laughs) I winged. I winged my first marathon. I winged my first half Ironman. Um, I I kind of winged my first ultra, and just two and a half weeks ago, I winged JFK 50. On literally, I came off of Vermont 50 um, with a little bit of an injury, so I you know put those brakes on training. I I hadn't run more than, I don't know, five miles for the four weeks following Vermont 50. There was seven weeks between Vermont 50 and JFK 50. And I literally raced JFK 50 with maybe a week of training prior. And as you may know, it um, this year saw the deepest women's field um, in the 60-year history of the race. And you were 11th, um, right? I was. And we can we can talk about that if, if you'd like. But I, I, I am both... Um, disappointed and proud of of that performance because you know i was so close um again c'est la vie it is what it is so okay so we got we got some gaps in the story to fill in here we Kelly. Do. um so you finished that marathon you said you did an iron man so at some point you had an urge to buy an expensive bicycle i bought your entry level road bike that I attached the arrow bars on. Yes. <laughs> um, Which even then the barrier of entry into a triathlon is quite a bit more substantial than just your standard ultra, because you do need to have a bike. You can't like go get a mountain bike at Walmart and expect sure. to be able to finish. You got to get a road yeah. bike and you got to make some modifications, whatever. So you you do that. This isn't this isn't a triathlon show, so we'll just breeze over the whole <laughs> half Ironman thing. We'll just breeze over. It happened. It yeah. happened, folks. Um, when did you discover the world of trail and ultra running? Uh, so when I when my my family moved to Connecticut and I got tired of the city, I decided also okay, it's, it's time. I think I'm, I'm, I'm done with city living. I'm done with running circles and circles and circles around Central Park. I, I love Central Park. It was my stomping grounds for the longest time, but it's time to kind of move on. Um, and when we came over to Connecticut, I said, okay, this much bigger state. There's a lot of open space. What am I going to do? There is no Central Park. You have to go and explore. And, and that's what I did. I actually have to thank Strava. Um, I don't know if you use Strava, right? But you know, through some Strava connections, uh, I was given suggestions uh, for where to run. Um, 
And so surely, slowly but surely, I, I started branching out of the immediate neighborhood that we were in uh, uh, to now um, running kind of all over the country, um, including Lake Sonoma this past April. And again, this coming April, um, we... I, I I feel like there's too much to discuss. Um, so so <laughs> when I moved here, I it took me about I would say a good mm, six to eight months to even discover the local rail trail that was about ten fifteen minutes away from the house. Again, in Connecticut, you have to drive everywhere. It's not like in the city you can walk or cab it or yeah. take the train. Yeah. Um, and I, I met I met someone on the trail who was a longtime avid distance runner, um, ultra runner, and I had on a training vest at that time. Um, and without even introducing himself and saying hello, he just pointed at me and said, "Are you an ultra runner?" Just because I was wearing the hydration vest with the bladder on it, yeah. it was in the yeah. winter of it was February 2020, um, and obviously this was right before uh, COVID hit. Uh, and you know, that seed was kind of planted in my head. Uh, and now two and a half years later, almost three years later, um, I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, winging 50 miles at a time, you know, like really competitive 50 mile races at a time on no training. And if, if, if someone had told me that at the outset of the pandemic, I would have laughed them out the door. I would have said, this is insanity. I would never do something like this. Uh, but here I am and I have no regrets. I'm, I'm so grateful that my journey has led me to this point because uh, the people that I have met, the community that I have been able to relate to um, is something I do not take for granted. So, um, in a way, running's been a saving grace. It's changed my life in the best possible way. Um, and and I, 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 I would guess this is something you can understand, too, and fully empathize with. Oh, right? I mean, oh. absolutely. I, I, I'm nodding my head to everything you're saying. All I can think of is, you know, younger Kelly, who's walking down Kelly Street, waiting for that marathon to finally finish, whatever, think... That that version of Kelly would never think of running fifty miles or no way or any farther. No way. You'd be like, oh, this is no, no, no. I'll I'll get to the finish line and and I'm all said and done. So your first ultra you said was the Cayuga Trails races out there. It was Cayuga fifty uh, last May, May twenty twenty one. This is a uh, Ian Golden Red Nude Racing race. So Cayuga fifty was um, I think for several years it was actually the uh usatf 50 mile trail the the national championship race yeah, yeah. Uh, for worlds and so that was my debut ultra so i went from you know racing philly in 2015 and then kind of you know not doing much running between 2015 and 2020 basically to then 2021 uh, deciding okay I'm not going to sign up for a 50K because that would be the reasonable thing to do, right? To go from a marathon to a 50K or even, you know, a, a, a trail. Um, see, I, I'm a little hesitant. Does a trail marathon count as an ultra? No. Oh. It, well, if you want a trail marathon to count as an ultra, you'd have to run past the finish line, maybe 100 meters. Got it. Okay. <laughs> So um, in that case, I would say 
uh, and, and I think you've had Jimmy on on the the podcast um, in the past from Cultra. Yeah. Uh, Live Lab Run. Yeah. So I ran Jimmy's race. It was the Patch Hog Trail Marathon in October of 2020. Um, so it was, this was when kind of ultra racing, trail racing in, in you know, smaller community was starting to open up again mm. during the pandemic. Uh, you know, everybody was safely distanced, what have you. Um, and it was... Um, it was a trail marathon. It was advertised as a trail marathon. Uh, it ended up being 27 miles. So I guess that would constitute my first official ultra. But I like to I like to attribute Cayuga 50 as being my official um, debut ultra because man, I was really suffering by the end of that. Um, Did you wing that one? You said you were winging it. You said you winged your first ultra. So I'm guessing you winged that first 50 miler. I went into it with kind of base not baseline knowledge of what is required to be actually successful racing in ultra. You know, there are people who run it recreationally and there are others who try to be a little more competitive. I found myself kind of in the middle there. Uh, I met some truly outstanding ultra runners uh, at that race. And I also learned, um, that despite having some issues with my knee, uh, I I actually, I, I had to, a month before that race, I received my first ever cortisone injection into my left knee because mm-hmm. I was dealing with some, I guess, um, first-timer bursitis in my knee, and I was really ramping up the mileage with yeah. my training, but not doing it in a way that was conducive for training. Um, and so my knee was bugging me and I got this cortisone shot about a month out. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Cayuga 50 course, but the, the, the course itself does not lend to, um, it's very punishing and aggravating on the joints because you're literally running up and down the, the, the falls, uh, the Ithaca, it's, it's a really beautiful area there. Um, and you're running up and down these really steep, large, um, stairwells continuously for like mm, 10, 15 flights at a time. And it was a uh, two 25 mile loop. And by the second loop, my knee was blown up the size of a baseball. <laughs> Ryan literally has a picture of it. It's, it wasn't pretty, um, but I ended up finishing. Um, I think I managed top 10, uh, but you know, I learned my lesson. You have to go into it um, prepared to, I guess, suffer a little bit physically, but more than anything else, mentally, that was, you know, the self-talk in my head was not, I was just like, okay, Kelly, what did you get yourself into? Why, why are you doing this? But it was so epic. Like, you know, we were crossing waterfalls, we were crossing rivers, uh, and you get to meet people who are absolutely like, they're just outstanding athletes, you know? And, and, and I was very inspired, uh, and so that really was then the impetus that got me going. Um, and now a year and a half removed from Cayuga 50, I found myself a little more experienced, a little more seasoned, but also a little more reckless, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, finally I would say to myself, okay, it's a good idea to win JFK 50 on basically no training, you know? Uh, but that's where I am. And I'm really grateful that I have a body that's, been cooperative 
so far, mostly. Well, you're young, Kelly. You're in your 30s. Wait till you get to your 40s and all that, all those stupid decisions will come back to bite you in the rear end. Yeah. <laughs> so you get this, you get the cortisol shot. Your, your knee is a mess the last 20 miles of Cayuga. Did you, at some point when you finished that, did you look for a more reasonable way to train did you did you get some advice from these new people that you met like here's more sustainable training to get your body ready for these things yes i um you know i I looked up training plans i um i i really then decided to embrace um at the time i was living in fairfield connecticut which is much flatter than where i am now uh, in woodbury it's very hilly around here and since cayuga i have learned to absolutely i have just completely embraced every time there's a hill you'll find me running up it so no more flat running for kelly you know i i embrace the the, the hillier aspects of running now and and um running faster on the hills is what has kind of progressed me as a runner to, you know, the stage that I find myself in now. Um, I, you know, Frank Shorter said, right, hill work is speed work in disguise. And I kind of really took that, um, I really took that to the bank and um, it's made the world of difference. Uh, And then also obviously dialing in my nutrition, um, learning to, do the back-to-back long runs, right? That's been such an integral part of training. You know, if you want to be successful in racing an ultra competitively, especially if it's like a 50 mile or beyond, those B2B runs are the bread and butter of your training, you know? And I've, I've embraced those two, and that has made the difference. Lake Sonoma, you said you ran that. That is a track meet. Some of the best runners from all over the country go out to Lake Sonoma what was your experience this past year out at that race? Uh, so let's see. Lake Sonoma was my, I have now raced, you know, I've only been doing this for about, yeah, 15 months, not 15, about 18 months, a yeah. year and a half or so. Uh, and I've gone from really not knowing what I'm doing to starting to get the hang of things. Um, I've raced five 50 milers now. Uh, so Cayuga 50 was the debut 50 miler last May, uh, Vermont 50 last fall, um, Lake Sonoma 50 in April, Vermont 50 again this fall, and then following up with, you know, impromptu, just winging JF 50, which again, I, I'm still recovering from winging that effort because that was just not a very, you know, it was a gutsy, it was a gutsy, but very foolish decision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't regret it, but my body regrets it. So uh, Lake Sonoma was an eye-opener. I knew going in, um, there was some self-doubt. I thought to myself, okay, this is one of the you know most perennially stacked races in the country, right? Some of the best ultra runners, trail runners from all over, not just in the U.S., come and do this race. You know, it used to be a... Um, um, Western States qualify. I think it's it's no longer right. one. Um, but all the same, the, the course, the, the race motto is actually relentless. That's that's the race motto. Yeah. It's about you get like 11, almost 11K vert over 50 miles. And it's just a series of, you know, relentless ups and downs. Um, absolutely stunning course. But, 
you have to be prepared to never let your um, foot off the gas because if you do, you will slow down. It's an out and back course and everybody traditionally, even the best runners, you know, everyone slows down on, on, on the, um, the back on the second, on the second half coming back in. I, I don't know if it was a um, combination of luck or training, but I, I was able to um, come in top 10 again. Um, but it was really hard despite growing up in hot, humid Hong Kong. Um, you know, large portions of the second part of the race, that the back half, you're by that time of day, you're exposed. You're really like you're fully exposed under the sun. Um, so it's it's dry, but it's really hot. And if you're not on top of your nutrition and taking in electrolytes, um, salt, just hydrating with water, even you will kind of show up and blow up uh, as historically it seems, you know, at least a small percentage of race participants um, do at Lake Sonoma. Um, that kind of happened to me, but I was on top of my salt. Uh, I just inevitably, like everyone else, really slowed down to shuffle uh, the last 12 miles or so. But it was an eye-opener. I, I, I wish we had that kind of buffed-out magic carpet trails here on the beast. <laughs> we, we don't. We don't. We don't. Uh, it taught me... I had to learn to be, I guess, really competitive because the, the women I was racing against, some of them are you know, the, um, some of them are the best, right, in the world. And, you know, I was not able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, obviously, because I came in, you know, an hour and a half behind the first woman. Um, but I, I also was competing against veteran trail right? I mean, they've been doing this for a really long time, and I've only been doing this for about a year at that point. Um, so I just have to give myself a little grace and a little credit. I, I tried my best. I did quite well. Um, and I'm only just starting in my ultra running and racing journey. Um, yeah, so you really if, you are know. just only starting. And the fact is every time you seem to toe a line, you, you get like top, at least top 15, you just kind of work your way into, into, into yeah. top 15. It's, it's incredible. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I um, I said this on the culture podcast and it, you know, at first was slightly controversial, but I think it's also um, a fact that is quite well known, just not so much vocalized. I think the, the, the ultra running, ultra running and racing space is by and large, right, Ryan, dominated by Caucasian men yes. still, yes. you know, and um, I think my goals now have shifted a little bit from 
just doing this recreationally for, you know, personal fulfillment to one where I would like to, you know, aspire to be competitive or as competitive as I can be given, you know, given the specific race and terrain and to try and use that as an example to encourage more women and specifically women of color to participate in the sport of mountain ultra trail mutt running, right? Because the women that look like me that run these races um, and specifically that are able to race at even a semi-competitive level are very few and far between, you know, and and the number of professional women um, ultra runners um, of color that are, you know, let's say, you know, sponsored by big name brands. I think I can think of maybe one or two off the top of my head in the U S you know, it's just, I understand this is something that's not going to happen overnight. Um, but that's kind of my long-term goal to try and, uh, really encourage other women to step up to the plate, not just have fun, but to, you know, try and be competitive as well, uh, because it would be great to, it would be great to see more diversity and inclusion in the sport. Uh, and right now there just isn't, there just isn't enough. You know, I, 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 I'm a little hesitant to say that, but it is true. Um, and so I'm hoping that in time we can, you know, we can, we can see um, people from all walks and races of life embraced right in this community. Well, um, and, 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 well, yeah, I, I, let's just let's get, let's get controversial for a second here. Since you yeah, brought it yeah, up, Kelly, sure. let's get a little controversial here. Cause I will say, I, I think you're right that if you look at the numbers demographically, the bulk of the ultra running community is Caucasian males, but I don't think it's because of an unwelcoming environment towards oh, no, no, not at all. other not at people. All. Yeah. And I know there are folks that are, you know, people of color. I think of Corey Waltering, for example, who is a, who is gay, who is black, who is out, who is trying to bring, uh, you know, that community into the world of trail and ultra running. And I think what, well, well, I mean, I want to know what you think. Why do you think it's you, you don't see as many women of color, women that look like you in trail and all running. Is it an intimidation factor of I don't belong here, not knowing that they'd be welcomed with open arms like everybody else? What is that barrier, you think? You know, that's so interesting because I, I wanted to pose that question to you. And I think from, you know, my personal experience so far, there is that intimidation aspect. Okay, I don't look like, you know, 99 out of the 98 out of the 100 people that are at this race. Why am I even, what am I doing here? Do I belong? Um, Is there some imposter syndrome going on? Um, You know, I've never really suffered from that. I've always been, Uh, I mean, since I was a little girl, always kind of very tomboyish, chasing the boys around, mm-hmm. never did the demure things. I think that I, and again, I'm venturing a guess here. I can't speak for others. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for myself. I, I never felt intimidated. This was something I wanted to do for myself and I just went for it. That's kind of how I have tackled life my entire life. Um, especially given the losses I have uh, experienced. Um, and so I am usually just not afraid and unapologetic. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And I think maybe that's something that 
others don't um, are not able to fully relate to. Um, I think perhaps there are women and specifically women of color who feel out of place, who feel like, okay, this seems, you know, like a pretty scary, risky endeavor. Why, why would I do it? I'm comfortable doing whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's, you know, road running or maybe just your local, you know, 5k, 10k half marathon trail, trail race. Um, right. I, I, I feel like somebody needs to, kind of elevate or, or take that risk, right? And say, no, actually, I look like you, but I, I'm doing these other things and it's fine. There there really isn't much risk involved other than um, just putting your body through the ringer. Um, I, 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 I don't, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to myself figure out how to make it a more, um, appealing inviting appealing maybe not inviting it is it should be a very it is a welcoming sport i i felt welcome from the second i started this you know adventure a year and a half ago how do we make it more appealing to others that look like me that part i haven't quite figured out yet um do you have any ideas you know i i, I, I will i will say this and again i want to just drive this point home before we go any further so nobody can leave a bad review on itunes Anyone listening to this podcast, no matter what you look like, no matter who you pray to, no matter who you love, you will be welcomed into the trail and ultra running community with 100%. open arms. Nobody cares. I mean, when I, when I say is, I say they they don't they don't care what your skin color is. They don't right. care what your what your partner looks like at home. They don't care where you go on Sundays or the quiet spaces you spend uh, in your in your home. Yeah. You're just a fellow sufferer on the trail, and that's all For that matters. Sure. So, yes. so if that's your fear, you don't have to worry about that. You will be welcomed, and that goes for every race across the country. You will see that attitude in Washington State. You will see that attitude in California. You will see that attitude in Tennessee. You will see it in Georgia. You'll see it in Connecticut. That attitude, that culture permeates all of the trail and ultra community as a welcoming space for everyone but i think maybe maybe it's you maybe if more people see kelly way and they go you know i they see you and then they see themselves in you and maybe they had thought about it maybe they'd done a 5k or a 10k or a half marathon and they they weren't even aware of the trail and ultra space because let's be honest it's still a niche sport it's not something, I mean, the, the amount it? of, oh yeah, the amount of people that finish an, uh, a trail and ultra race, Kelly, is microscopic compared to the, I mean, it's less than 1% of the United States population yeah. has, will finish an ultra. And so there's 99% out there that, that aren't going to pay attention. Maybe it's, it's that though. Maybe it's people in your community seeing you doing what you do and you inspire them to get out and to try it. And then someone else is inspired by that and someone else is inspired by that and, and so on. It spreads, that inspiration spreads in a way. Because it is, I think it's awareness. I think it's awareness. Um, and I think representation as well. When people see Kelly Way and they go, oh, I look like Kelly. That's that's my that's my people. I can give this a whirl. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's just not enough representation yet. 
For sure. Representation matters. And I think representation is also what is lacking. Um, and that is why it matters mm-hmm. all the more. You know, I, I want to name two, you know, professional runners that I know of, the only two that I know of um, to this day that I can think of off the top of my head. Yu Wang, right? Mm-hmm. And Yao Miao. Yu Wang is um, sponsored by Under Armour. I think she's based in California. Mm-hmm. She's been running professionally for many years now. Uh, and um, my understanding, she is, I think, Asian American. And Yamao is, as you may know, she's now sponsored by Solomon. Um, and she she comes from rural China, um, and she broke the CCC record uh, in 2018 mm-hmm. by I think like 30 minutes or something remarkable like that. Um, the difference between these two women is, and I had to do a little research before coming on the podcast because I wanted to make sure I'm not mis- misrepresenting anybody. You know, you has more of a um, social media, you know, um, platform, whereas Yama coming from where she comes from has virtually, you know, no social media usage. And right. I think sadly in this digital age that we find ourselves in, it's at this point necessary, you know, in order for you to try and make a difference, even if it's, you know, minuscule, um, you have to have that social capital, so to speak. There has to be that visibility, that exposure aspect. If people don't see that there are people like me running these races, why would they Why would they think, okay, it's a good idea to try and tr- try something new, you know? And so uh, that's something that I'm kind of, trying to convince myself to do more because despite being a millennial, Ryan, I'm very atypically millennial in the sense that I really don't like using social media. I'm just um, not very keen on the, the, the advertisement self-promotion aspect of it. Uh, Granted, I now recognize that in order to, if I really am serious about wanting to, outreach and network and encourage more women and specifically women of color to step up the plate and do this amazing thing, amazingly stupid thing that's called mutt running. I have to start, you know, putting the message out there. And how do we do it now in 2022, soon to be 2020, you have to just, you gotta, you gotta post, you gotta spread the word. You have to reach out to larger social media platforms. You have to have a voice. I think without a voice, um, it's very hard. What you need to do, Kelly, I got a perfect idea for you. You need to go to social media school, and the way you're going to do that is you're going to go undercover to the nearest high school, and you are going to let the the high school kids show you all of the tricks and trades when it comes to social media. You will be a TikTok, YouTube, Be Real, uh, Instagram superstar after a week in a local high school. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I have no problem giving my phone, you know, having, you know, I, I hire a PR manager or something, yeah, you know, yeah. but, you know, in order for that to happen, I need to make a name for myself first. And I think I'm maybe a year, a year and a half away from doing that. I mean, I, I'm very earnest in wanting to see how far I can take this mm-hmm. seriously, you know, the trail ultra running and racing, but I think it would require um, continued dedication to training and also maybe the more important component remaining uninjured, right? Because once you're injured, you're kind of sidelined and, you know, your training's derailed and that's that. Exactly. So Um, start trying to stay healthy, keep training, learn how to take a better selfie, you know, 
learn to set up your camera just for your phone just right so you can right. run past it and get some epic running photos of yourself. These are all things you've got to do, Kelly. I think one of the things that I'm starting to do that I think does make a, you know, have a, makes an impactful difference, right, is going on podcasts where you have this, you know, it's it's not just a, a mere post or um, an article, you know, it's real discourse that happens between two people or three people. And that's meaningful because people can hear the conversation as it's being had. Um, and I think it's important for folks to understand the, I guess, the motivations that come behind, you know, why people do what they do. So, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm grateful that, um, you know, you decided to have me on. I was actually pretty nervous, to be honest, because I thought to myself, what business do I have, you know, going on the adventure jogger with Ryan, you know, you know, the, you know, there have been, you've interviewed giants like Andy Joan Wilkins and Anton and Harvey Lewis from even Tennessee mile this past mm -hmm. weekend, you know, and I thought to myself, who am I to, you know, so I guess you might be right. I had that little, I, I did feel a little intimidated. So you, you might be right. I think we're coming full circle there. There is a part of me that feels like, okay, I'm not a, I'm not a, impressive powerful white guy that's been you know doing the in this sport doing it for a long time and i feel misplaced and somewhat displaced as well um so i i need to remember that i'm doing this because i can mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. that it brings me joy that it's very empowering uh it's good for your body and your health and your mental health um and I think I need to, you know, just figure out how to get that message out there yes. one step at a time. And I think I'm doing that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Yeah, I think you just need to be the ambassador and to show the world and to show your community that this is a safe, welcoming space for you to explore your boundaries and to explore your limits. That's what you need to do. Um, because I, I think for some women and, and oh man, white dude speaking for women again. Oh God. I think, um, I think for a lot of women, the, the, they, they do think that there's a, there's a danger element involved. And I don't mean tripping on rocks of right. like being, that is, that is definitely an element. It is tripping on rocks is a real thing, Oh yes. but the danger of being out in these spaces alone, I think is a big fear for a, for a lot of women that men don't even think about. I think men men don't live their life in fear of women. And I and and what I and and but women have to always be on guard because they don't know. I'm a, I would never ever try to make a woman feel uncomfortable. And I know 100% of the men listening to this podcast would never do that. But as a woman, you've had experiences with men that I've never had with women. You have been probably catcalled. You have been intimidated. You have had somebody that was a little too aggressive at a bar or whatever. So you have to, you're, you're accustomed to having to be aware because you're not sure if this is one of the 99.9% .9 good guys or the 1% bad guys. So that can create an intimidation factor as well to join a sport, which is 90 or, you know, however percent it is guys. Um, I definitely understand what you're saying. And that is certainly the case for at least some women, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, women that I know, friends that I know, but thankfully in my case, it has not been as relevant because um, 
despite looking the way I do, and I've been stereotyped many times, Ryan, it just, it's just, you know, how it is. That's how some people operate. I've never felt unsafe or, um, so to speak, overly discriminated against mm-hmm. because I think I've always, I've been taught to, I've carried myself in a way that does not invite that kind of commentary or that kind of um generalization and the few times that it has happened i would shut it down right away i'd say listen you're barking up the wrong tree don't even don't even try um so again i don't want to speak for other women's experience but in my case i felt actually i feel the safest when i'm on a trail running whether i'm at a trail race or you know on a training run in the woods by myself i have never felt safer um I don't know if that makes sense, but no, I think it makes sense. And I, I think you verbalizing that probably would help somebody maybe overcome that obstacle of, is it safe to be out on the trails by yourself? I mean, you never can know what's going to happen, but honestly, the most dangerous thing I've ever done on a trail is, is twisted an ankle. Even well, like in my case, life. the most dangerous thing that's happened to me on a trail second to twisting an ankle is actually encountering a family what do you call a family of bears a, a family of bears it's a school of fish a pod of dolphins of is it a family of bears we'll go with a family of bears or tribe of bears so um this happened almost a year ago i encountered a massive mama bear and her three cubs oh shit on a trail run was, yes oh shit was what oh shit was more than oh shit came out of my mouth i said oh fuck <laughs> I was about to be lunch, you know, because growing up in Hong Kong, you don't get bears. There are no bears in Hong Kong. The largest critters we get on the trails are wild boars, you know, that are, you know, they're actually quite cute. You don't want to go and poke them or provoke them. Um, But when this happened last December, I'm like, oh, my God, what what am I going to do? Thankfully, you know, we kind of we gave each other space. We left each other alone. Everybody went on their very merry way. So I was fine. Um, but really, outside of encountering wildlife, I feel like the trails, I mean, women should feel safe um, communing with nature. I like to call it communing with nature because it's, you know, the time that I get to be completely at peace, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to focus on where I place my feet so I don't twist an ankle. Um and I, I want to try and, you know, convey that message as much as possible. You know, I, I can understand and feel for women who have had negative experiences. But in my case, um, so far, it's been, by and large, a, a really, really positive um, mentally, psychologically, physically nourishing experience. I, I mean, running and ultra running in particular has changed my life. It's kind of been a saving grace. It's it has uh, it has it has seen me through some pretty hard stuff, you know? Um, and it still does now. Uh, and so, you know, if there are women listening to the podcast tonight, and I know there are, you know, my message is give yourself a chance, give ultra trail running a chance, just put yourself out there, go for, um, you know, 5k run at your local park or your local state park, ask a friend if you feel unsafe and, you know, if, if you'd like to talk about it, please feel free to reach out to me. You know, if I live anywhere near you or if I am to, you know, visit you in the future, 
I, I would be happy to go on a run together. Um, I just, I just feel like the more women who show up, um, and in greater numbers, that's how we can really get this ball rolling. Because right now, it's still kind of it's stuck. It's at the top of the hill. What 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 is that impetus we need to push it down the hill so we get that momentum? You know, and I'm only one person. There's only so much I can do. Um, and so I think it will be a combination of continuing to race. You know, at, at these higher exposure, higher visibility, you know, national stage type races like Lake Sonola uh, next year, as you know, it's the, um, it's been designated the team USA qualifying race for world champs. Uh, I'm signed up. I'm going to try my best. Um, but I, I looked at the, the women entrance so far and the field is pretty stacked. Um, so, um, it's something to look forward to, but I'm also, again, that, that, that dialogue of, do I belong, you know, cause I'll be racing against women who have been doing this for a really long time. Yes. I know I have, you know, kind of the natural inherent athleticism and endurance, but I need to back that up with a really solid training block. And that's kind of the short term goal, at least until April of well, next year. Do that. You, that. That's part of your homework assignment. Get that training under control there's yeah. also i have another homework assignment for you kelly I, I think this will help you in your quest to bringing more women and especially women of color to trail running you need to run one of the yeti trail races one of jason green's yeti races um, because jason green is one of the few race directors in the country that has a higher percentage of women signing up for his races than men and and the atmosphere and environment that he's created with the yeti trail runners is I think you'll you'll find a lot of what you're looking for, and I think you'll I think you'd be inspired running one of Jason's races, and 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 being a part of the Yeti community. I think would would inspire you and maybe point you in the right direction for some other avenues in your quest to get more women of color on the trail. Uh, duly noted. Um, my, I, uh, I, I did, well, Art, Jimmy, Becky, and Fred did kind of coerce me on the culture podcast. They said, Kelly, what's the next big goal, you know, for, for, for the year upcoming? I'm like, well, um, I think a hundred miler is in, in its time. Like, I think I need to step it up in distance. I've become very comfortable racing the 50 miler mm -hmm. distance. So I think now it's just, I got to upgrade. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely on the horizon for me. All right. Just make, if you want the Yeti 100 to be your first 100, I think that would be a winner all the way around. You're going to come crew me? Yeah, yes. I'll be there. You just call that's me and awesome. I'll be there, Kelly. Okay. Awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we go, and, and I'm going to leave things, you know, it's always better as Jerry Seinfeld said, to leave them wanting more than wanting you to shut up. So, and I have a feeling you'll be on again for, 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 you know, something you do in the future. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you is you talked earlier, we touched on it just a little bit talking about Andrew um, and your mom and especially with Andrew, that sense of guilt that you have, how could you not have known that he was in that dark space? How could you, is there something you could have done? Have you found release from that guilt out on the trail or do you still feel that? Um, 
survivor's guilt is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's in the context as tragic and unfortunate as suicide or natural death, right? My mother passed from um, cancer and I have felt that survivor's guilt in both instances. Like, could I have done more to encourage my mom to seek better treatment or what were the signs I missed in the case of Andrew? Um, I think to this day, it's much less now because it, it happened quite some time ago. I still live with it. I think I will live with it until, you know, the day I die. Um, but the one thing that has made it a little more, I guess, manageable to answer your question is 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 running and in particular running long distances at a time because it's so cathartic, right? And I know this is something you can relate to, Ryan. It's 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 cathartic. It's therapeutic. Um, sometimes it's even a little transcendent. Trans transcendent, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I running has seen me through some really dark patches in my life. It continues to, um, and I don't take it for granted because um, it's been a saving grace uh, in 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 more than one instance. Um, and I want to make sure. Anyone who's out there that's listening, you know, if 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 you ever feel, um, you know, like you're not able to overcome a setback in life, or you're feeling at odds, um, please realize that you are amazing just the way you are. That you are so loved, wherever, whatever station in life you find yourself in, and to always, always speak up, reach out reach out to a friend, reach out to family, reach out to just reach out uh, because you're not alone and that you're loved. And and I think that's a message that everybody can hear. Um, Absolutely. You know? And I think too, if you're having those feelings, know that you are not your thoughts. There's a lot of things that our brains are these organs that are designed for constant thinking, thinking, stimulus, 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 right? And sometimes, sometimes wires get crossed. Sometimes your mind reacts incorrectly to stimulus for whatever reason. If you find yourself having those thoughts of, you know, deep depression and why am I still here? I, I should probably just end this. Get help. Talk to somebody. There is no shame in asking for help. There is no shame with seeking professional treatment. When you have cancer, there is no shame in going to a doctor and saying, hey, can you check this out? I'm not, I want to get some treatment for this and, and beat this. If you break your arm, there is no shame in going to the doctor and getting a splint on your arm and getting a cast for so it can heal. Remove the shame or the thought of shame, and I think society can go a long way into, into removing the stimulus, but there is no shame in asking for help. Yes, there should be zero, zero, zero stigma mm-hmm. attached to mental health. Mental health is health. Absolutely. Right? And, and I think that is something we really need to hammer home. We should- and one of the really good things to help promote mental health and health in general and just well-being is ultra running. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on, ladies. Yep. Join me. Kelly wants you out on the trail, but yeah. no, seriously, we should champion those people who have taken the steps to make themselves better. Those folks that have recognized 
um, their their minds are traveling down a dangerous path and got that help and fixed and fixed what needed to be fixed and are living happy, healthy lives today. We should champion those people. If you're having those thoughts, call somebody, talk to somebody. You're too important. You're too valuable. You're too beautiful. You're too wonderful. You're too smart. You're too loved for this world to lose you. That's important. Go talk to somebody. 100%. There you go, Kelly Way. I expect big things from her, and I'm sure we'll be talking to her again at some point on the Adventure Jogger. But in all seriousness, really, I meant everything I said there at the end. If you are having those thoughts, if you are, you know, finding yourself in a dark place, there is no shame. Go talk to somebody. Really, just go talk to somebody. The world needs you in it every single day. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 